You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Well, as you heard in Bob's news just minutes ago, Canada joined the very long list of nations which have grounded the plane that was involved in that terrible crash in Ethiopia on the weekend. Transport Minister Marc Garneau announced that as a precaution, he said, the 737 MAX 8 by Boeing cannot be used to fly domestically or internationally, nor will it be allowed to fly in our airspace. And as I said, this follows the lead of other countries, including the European Union. Now, Garneau said this was based on new information pointing to a link between this incident and the other deadly crash involving this plane in Indonesia less than six months ago. So what does this mean? And as a passenger, as a customer, are you relieved? We want to hear from you. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Now, Canadian Airlines own 41 of these planes. So what does this grounding mean to us? Uh, it's probably a little bit early to tell, but right now, we are going to John Lawford, the Executive Director and General Counsel at the Public in- Interest Advocacy Centre, and MP Brian Massey, who is the Dean of the NDP Caucus, and he has a background as a passenger rights advocate and a transportation critic. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, first, I'd like to start with you, Brian Massey. I mean, Mark Garneau just said this is based on new information, but how much is really because of the big hue and cry from passengers, from unions representing workers who have to work aboard these planes, uh, who just felt really unsafe flying in these aircraft? Yeah, I think that's where the real story is with regards to the decision. The fact is that these planes um, literally couldn't fly in many places of the world anymore without restrictions or being outright banned. In fact, the United States and Canada were outliers in this. So unfortunately, everything seems to be a fight with um, this government um, to get consumers and to get people protected, whether it's the um, Passenger Bill of Rights or whether it's um, you know, transportation on rail safety, or even in this particular circumstance, uh, the Canadians, um, you know, who have suffered the, the greatest losses here, being the families, friends, and relatives, um, and then the general public, uh, have had to um, voice their concerns extraordinarily uh, sharp uh, to get movement. But the reality is, is that, you know, the minister claims that satellite imagery gives him new information that he then gave all kinds of disclaimers about that imagery. But, um, you know, people are uncomfortable with the situation for a lot of good reasons. And, um, you know, the reality is at the end of the day, though, is the plane really can't fly anywhere um, other than the United States and Canada. And so it's just, it's beyond me why everything has to be a fight. Um, This really should have been something to show confidence. And second to that, I I think that um, the public is unnecessarily having to again, come forward uh, during hurtful times to get what, you know, they should have been expecting to get is 
you know, a cautionary principle with regards to this, especially given the long list of countries that wanted action, took action, and actually didn't have their citizens have to have an uproar to, to get the solution they wanted. Uh, John Lawford, do you agree that this is the result of pressure and not the result of, and I put this in my little air quotes, new information? Well, I'll take the minister at his word that that's why they decided to change their mind this morning, but I won't doubt that Canadians had a pretty good reason for wanting this done far sooner. And it's true, we were a total global outlier. Uh, you know, you had you had the UK, you had Europe, you had all sorts of places coming to this conclusion much more quickly. And if they did share information, and they do, then it makes you wonder what the standard is in Canada and why it's different. You know, I think consumers can't be told that you know, we're investigating, you can trust Transport Canada, we're professional, as the minister said a few minutes ago, because that's not their first concern. Their first concern is, don't play with my life. And that has always been the answer that we've received from Transport Canada when we want uh, things done. They're always like, safety is the most important thing, and that's not negotiable, and, and yet... In this sort of time, it, it looks like it is. Well, yeah, or uh, they're taking their sweet bureaucratic time to go over information. You know, it's interesting that Sunwing was the first airline to ground their MAX 8s, and that happened last night, and it was before, obviously, the government made this move. But they came out and said, hey, it's not because of safety. No, 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 it's because other countries won't let us land there. Yeah, they've, they weren't able to go anywhere, so what use were their planes? So, um, But you see, even Sunwing then was towing the line um, between the industry, the ministry in Canada, and the FAA, which is until the FAA decides that this thing is not flying, we're not going to say nothing about whether it's airworthy or not. And I'm not prejudging whether there, this accident was related to the one in Indonesia or what the, what the problem was, but the public perception, I think this... Unfortunately, the minister was not in tune with it, and people had a you know a, a reasonable concern, and now they're they're stuck, and there will be disruptions. But it's better to have a government that looks like they're on top of it than one that you know seems to come to realization after people have to yell at them. Okay, if, if I could add, um, if possible, um, that you know back in November, U.S. pilots informed the FFA about the. Um, the problems and wanting to have the Max 8 under greater scrutiny, and um, there still, you know, was indecision at that time. So again, I just I don't think that satellite imagery um, from last night to this morning, uh, in terms of how to actually come to a final decision, um, is a sincere way of doing this. There's just no doubt that when you have, um, you know, dozens of countries that have expressed concerns that we should be the leader in these situations, especially the fact that we have a dependency on these planes. Um, and if safety and protection is the number one thing for not only just the passengers, but also for the people that they're flying above, um, then there's a precautionary element that I think that is uh, onus on the government to do so. And again, I'm, I, I just don't know why it's so hard uh, to do these types of things. I know it's going to be difficult for the industry. It's going to be difficult for, for the country. Um, but taking a pause right now to get everything right will only build public confidence um, if the planes are later cleared for all flying. And if there's corrective action, then the course of action is going to be one that uh, people will have confidence in not only to take those planes, but also the public in general. So 
to me, it's it seems really odd that we had to be dragged to the yes the results that everybody else has been doing, because we need to think about the long term here, not just the short term inconvenience of connecting flyers, but this is needs a long term issue because there's so much invested as a country with these particular aircraft. Okay, hang on, everybody. Uh, I want to go to Wayne in Goderich because I think he's got an interesting personal story to tell. Hi, Wayne. Good morning or good afternoon. Good afternoon. So you were booked. Go ahead. I'm uh, booked on Air Canada next Tuesday, uh, first thing in the morning, to fly to Florida on a 737 MAX. And, of course, uh, I only became aware of that after the uh, all of this stuff hit the fan uh, yesterday. And uh, it leaves you wondering, you know, if they, the country doesn't uh, prevent them from flying, how safe are we? Well, the country just did prevent them from flying, so are you relieved? That just happened minutes ago. Yes, I, I am relieved, but I, the, the one question I had was, um, all, all of the, uh, the announcements seem to have been pitting the skill of first-world pilots against those of third-world pilots, and I think that's, uh, uh, to me, that's kind of a, a, a wrong way to look at things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a worldwide issue. It's not uh, us against them, and I think the government should have stepped in earlier than, than what they did. But I'm I'm thankful that they have done now. And uh, are are you willing to accept? I mean, you know, you're going to have to check to see what is happening with your flight because uh, Air Canada has uh, what is it? It has something like 34 of these planes. So you're going to have to check because uh, they have 34 planes that they have to reschedule on other equipment. Yeah, I'm, and I'm hoping that we have uh, six days between now and then that uh, they'll, they'll be able to, to work through that. But in the interest of safety, inconvenience is, uh, is a secondary concern to me. Okay, well, uh, I can certainly understand why you're relieved, Wayne. Thanks very much for your call. Thank you very much. Okay, and people, I'd like to hear your stories. If uh, you have a flight coming up, if you were worried about it, the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. I can tell you that I'm about to book a flight, not for another month or so, but I was concerned, and uh, a lot of other people. Sam in the morning, she's flying at the end of March, and she's concerned. I think almost everybody who is about to get on a plane was confirmed, and I have some information just in, and thank you, producer Michelle Saunders. So there are reports that the head of Boeing called President Donald Trump, Boeing, of course, an American company, to plead for U.S. airspace to remain open to the aircraft. And Mark Garneau was asked if Boeing had made the same kind of representations, uh, and he said that no, they did not. And here is one of the aspects of this, and I'd like to put it to our guests. And it came up yesterday in our conversation with our aviation experts. So in Europe, they were quick to ban this, but they've got Airbus. That's a European company. We rely a lot on Boeing aircraft. And that, of course, is an American company. And uh, MP Brian Massey, how much of that do you think came into this? Well, I mean, there could be lots of different speculative uh, motivation to um, act on, you know, where a product is is manufactured and the, the relationship it has in the industry. But when you saw, you know, 
these are real tragedies, and I think I like to think that we're above this. And I think that when they look at the passenger manifest of all the countries that are affected of this, is so large and deep um, that I think this is a as a genuine response um, to dealing with the situation. You know, Canada wasn't the only one to have victims um, on those aircraft. Uh, many countries did, and um, there's been just a an international barrage of of countries that have, you know, from first world countries, um, you know, to other ones that are smaller, uh, to exercise caution. So we have everything from Mongolia to Malaysia to Egypt to Australia um, that have expressed many concerns over this. So I, I think that right now the best business and consumer strategy, and most importantly, the overriding all that is the public safety aspect, is to be um, upfront, consistent. Um, and be predictable in our response to this and unified um, about the planes because they are a global, um, you know, connector piece to so many other air industries, not only just the one direct ones that they do. So to me, uh, I, again, I just think that the response going this far way forward um, would be very predictable for consumers and public safety as the best way we can do. And again, I just, um, I don't think it should be a fight um, to get there, uh, other countries have expressed an openness to take action immediately. And it's just similar, I would say, to our passenger bill of rights here in Canada, where we still don't even have um, the same basic elements that other people uh, enjoy in most places in the world. John Lawfer, does it surprise you that the head of Boeing called President Donald Trump? And uh, do you think that those considerations came into play here? Well, well, um, President Trump gave it speeches on the floor of the Boeing factory, you know, like, there's a close relationship there. Um, and I'm not surprised, the, given the political situation in the United States, that there's lots of political action going on here. That that particular aircraft, sure, there have been, you know, hundreds delivered so far, but there are 5,000 more on order. So this is a problem of probably several billions of dollars Maybe getting you know into the hundreds of billions of dollars that that size problem for Boeing now, and you can see how there is a motivation to to do something. The interest for Canadians, I think, is yes, we're part of a North American flight system, so often our policies are led by U.S. interests. That's just the way it is. But um, I like to think that in matters of safety, again, back to what Transport Canada says, if they believe that, they have to walk the walk. And in this case, they walked the walk eventually. And as 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 Brian, <laughs> Mr. Massey says, look, it's it's a bit late. So so that's my concern here. But the new issue I think that's going to come out of this now for consumers is fortunately not a safety issue, but now is an issue of getting their flights completed and booked, and whether that will end up causing them disruption and or costs. Well, I'm sure it will cause disruption. We're, we're right in the middle of March break. So there are a lot of people who are away and who are coming back, yeah. uh, depending on what kind of school system you're dealing with at the end of this week, at the end of next week. Do you have any kind of uh, handle, uh, either of you, on what kind of disrupt- disruption that could cause? Well, if I can just go quickly first, I think it's going to be a huge problem. And I'm glad you raised it, Libby, because I would, I'm watching the minister now with the sound off, and I don't know if he's talking about a contingency plan to return those people to Canada. 
and what the airlines can be asked to do. But I would hope that he would and his officials would be working on that the second he steps down from the podium. Well, it's uh, I, don't, I don't know if there are a lot of school kids who are on vacation now who are whooping with joy because their holiday is longer. And a lot of their parents who are having to call into work to say, hey, we might not get back on time. But I think the potential is for quite a bit of disruption with this. Yeah, and John John brings up a really good point though about a contingency plan, and that's what I'm you know I'm, I'm I think that we really need to go towards is like a you know a very much a logistical point of view for um, the travel that's going to be necessary um, to be rerouted or changed or altered related to this. And I agree is that um, one of the first steps that the minister should be, and you'd hope they'd already be looking at that, is the the consequences of um, people being away uh, during this time. Um, but to get them home safely and to uh, do it in a way that um, is organized, and that requires um, you know some some planning right away. So um, these are the things, though. It's a good example um, that's been raised here that we're going to need to approach uh, until there's the full review of the black boxes and until there's a full review of the aircraft's um, uh, worthiness and the um, any type of training or subsequent uh, recommendations uh, if they're they are out there. Um, but again, I just believe that right now, uh, predictability um, would be the best uh, source of comfort and confidence for people um, from the government um, with regards to how we move forward. I'd like to give the numbers out again because I really would like to hear from our audience, from people out there who are either waiting to get on a flight or perhaps you have family members who are away for March break and whether you're concerned about how they're going to get back or relieved that they are definitely now not getting back on a 737 Max 8. Uh, the, the numbers to call 416 360 0740, toll free 1 866 744 740. And, you know, I'm remembering yesterday, Mark Garneau said he was about to get on a 737 Max 8. I'm not sure if he actually did because he canceled his public appearances. But, uh, you know, maybe he's regretting what he said. Uh, I, I want to follow up in the meantime on uh, contingency plans. So there are only so many planes. Are you, anybody, either of you, are you talking about maybe using military planes? I mean, it's it's not exactly a crisis situation if you're stuck in Mexico or <laughs> Jamaica or well, something. I, I disagree, Libby. I mean, when we had, when we had the hurricanes in St. Martin, um, that that was the approach that was taken because people people are stranded but they don't have unlimited money and and often in the place you know in a disaster there's nowhere to stay so that's slightly different than people coming back but you're asking consumers to pay extra money to try to find accommodation in a foreign land they've got jobs to come back to they've got responsibilities the cool the kids should be in school sorry kids uh, so yeah. you know that's something that the government as a the steward of the public interest should be should be thinking about and, ma- as I said, making contingency plans for and asking the airlines to step up. And I got to say it: if, since the airlines didn't step up and voluntarily ground these things and get working on their contingency plan, then I think they owe it to Canadians to get cracking now. Well, you're talking about the airlines, but the airlines obviously only have so many planes. 
So if, uh, especially with Air Canada, with a whole bunch of them being grounded, I mean, I don't know, how do they come up with contingency with the, you know, uh, is that a... I'm assuming they'll be working with the government, as you say, maybe there's military transport, maybe there, I'm sure it'll be a crisis situation across the world because all airlines now have to pool resources. Who knows what they can, can drum up in terms of resources, but... What I want to hear from the minister and from the airlines is uh, this was an exceptional situation. It's caused a global crisis. Canada is a big part of that. And we are looking after your interests, and we're going to, as, as Mr. Massey said, restore trust. Uh, yeah. Uh, so is this enough to restore trust, Brian Massey? Well, I, it depends on how it's done. Like, um, Mr. Offer brings up a really good point about the airline industry being, you know, responsible here. And this is where I think that the minister... I mean, this government has moved to more self-regulation over the years, as well as the previous conservative administration, um, uh, and, it's, and it's created a dependency model of the public uh, safety aspect and consumer aspect to rely upon their own internal mechanisms to, to do things. And them, you know, they, still, they were still selling tickets um, for these planes uh, up until the, right now the ban. So the reality is, is that, and that's being laid at the table, is that we were still creating more problems and logistical issues for people to return home wherever they're taking these planes from uh, up until we finally have made a decision that other countries had already decided. And so there's an onus on Air Canada, for example, um, to get as a priority uh, anyone that's affected by this um, as a priority at home. And that's just a simple business problem that they have. They've chosen their path and direction and dependency on these planes. Um, they're the ones that have been in partnership um, with different operators to, you know, you have these excursions. And, you know, the government's just having to do what we should have to do is making sure if there is a, a potential risk out there that the regulatory framework that is still in place uh, is followed. And that's one of the, you know, conditions of doing business. So I would put a lot of responsibility, and if there is going to be some sort of assistance, um, which I would definitely not rule out for Canadians from the federal government to help if we are able to do so, um, but would be done in partnership with the airline industry that has been making you know, the profits and the, uh, the different reimbursements for their shareholders on, on, on using these, the, these, these planes and during good times, but during the now being responsible for um, the problems that they're facing with them has been made from corporate decisions and business decisions that may or may not be, um, you know, uh, questioned in the future, but they're still realities that we deal with. So I, I put a lot of responsibility on them, but there has to be even more responsibility from the federal government now to say, you know, listen, we're the ones that are in control of this at the end of the day. Uh, it's a um, not a right to operate in our airspace and to use the public um, right of ways for doing business. It's a privilege. And uh, you need to take some leadership and responsibility uh, on this individual situation. So I think that's the kind of, again, the, the expectation that will also bring some calmness uh, to investors in the industry and then most importantly to safety and passengers that have to use these planes or want to use these planes if they're cleared in the future. Okay, I, I have an update here. So Air Canada has confirmed that they will comply immediately. I'm sure they have no choice but to do that. But they also say that there will be a full fee waiver in cancellation for affected customers. So at least customers, passengers, you're not going to be out of pocket. However... 
They said customers should expect delays in rebooking because their 737 MAX 8s fly between 9 and 12,000 passengers every day. And that's what I was just saying. So where are they going to put these nine to 12,000 passengers? Uh, are we going to get help from the military? Uh, all of these things have to be sorted out. Uh, let's go to the phones for a second. We've got Adriana in Caledon. Hi, Adriana. Hi. Go Hello. Ahead. Yes, go ahead. You're on the air. Yes, I have a question. Why are we not looking at the pilot training? Since so many Max 8, Max 7, 8 are flying around the world, and we have two crashes. Why we are not looking at the training instead of the plane? Uh, I think it is being looked at, but you ask a very good question. And as a matter of fact, one of the things that I read, and uh, I'd like our guests to chime in here, was that one of the selling features of this plane was that it did not require very much retraining. And they, they've been pushing these software, these software updates. Uh, uh, John Lawford, do you have a comment on that? Um, I'm not as up to date on how that aircraft differs from previous models as I should be. Um, my understanding from the reporting only, secondhand, is that uh, the, the system that's perhaps at the center of all this is one which is meant to correct the aircraft's course without pilot intervention, but that it can be overridden with a, a certain protocol. But, you know, that's part of the investigation that all the airlines and the international uh, Civil Aviation Authority are going to undertake now, and I guess we can't rush that. Certainly, pilot error is, can be part of this, but you know, as the aircraft become more complicated and and so on, I think you have to have a, a very tight integration between air, airline uh, pilot training and um, and the the actual manufacturers, and that's where. As Mr. Massey raises it, it's an interesting question about how much the government regulates in that zone and how much they trust industry to do it right. So to me, that's the interesting question going forward. We won't know until we have more details on the crash. Okay, Adriana, thanks for your call. Okay, thank you. Uh, one of the issues that came up was this, and again, I, I hesitate to wade into the technicalities of flying an airplane, believe me, uh, is this nose down that sometimes there is an override, an autopilot kind of override, and it puts the nose down and it can be difficult to put the nose back up again. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is something that they are going to have to deal with in this investigation, and they're going to have to see if that was a cause. I heard of a case where it started to happen, and the pilot pulled them out of it, but he already had attained a very high altitude. This particular plane on the weekend crashed six minutes into it, so they could not have attained a very high altitude by then. Let's hear from Bob in Etobicoke. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? No, not bad. I've been paying attention to this thing, and this uh, device that they have on those planes, um, it's for mainly, it's a safety device, and it's like for a pilot that can't see. It's either night or it's foggy or he can't see. If the plane tips up too high, it reduces its speed, and it calls into what you call a stall speed. So if you take off, uh, it's not like a fighter jet. A fighter jet has got enough horsepower, it can go vertically straight up, but a passenger plane can't. So it has to have a certain forward speed 
for the wind to, uh, the uh, air to lift the plane up. So this device that they are talking about, if the plane is goes up too quick of an angle, is too sharp of an angle, it's not going forward fast enough. So they, the device tells the plane to put your nose down so you can get some speed up and get lift on your wings. So what I see they should be doing is not scrubbing the planes and canceling them all because that's very, very inconvenient. But that device that they have on there that detects Bob, I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to interrupt you yeah. uh, because you know this is what most of the world has decided to do. But let me just ask you: Would you would you be happy to fly on one of those planes with a trained pilot from a? And how proper, are you going? Yeah. I mean, presumably all tr- pilots should be trained. I mean, and you can't screen your pilot. Would no, you? But you, could, you can tell them don't go over a certain degree up. And even a simple Yeah, I little, know. I'm asking yeah. you a simple question oh, because I'd go on one, yeah. you'd get uh, on one? Uh, yeah, if it's like Air Canada, a big name airline with a couple of pilots on, yeah, that wouldn't even bother me. Okay, Bob, that's what I wanted to know from yeah, you. Thanks for your call. Yeah. Well, there you go. Some people wouldn't uh, be bothered at all. And of course, you know, these planes have logged a lot of. Uh, Hours flying with no incidents, but two in six months is really just much too much. Uh, what is a reasonable time, John Lawford, to come up with a contingency and to figure out how to get people back? And, and what do you think the airlines are also going to do going forward with either tickets that have already been booked or that are about to be booked? Well, it, tickets are about to be booked book going forward there'll be less choice on the system so you'll just find that your you'll find your flights are more full and unfortunately probably more expensive i was just places. going to ask about and that 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 i i doubt the airlines will modify their system to hold prices at what they would have been if they had had a full complement of aircraft so here you go i mean there are many knock on consumer effects from this i'd also be concerned about people who there probably have been people in the last three, four days who have not taken a flight on one of those aircraft because they were afraid. Do they get their money back? All I hear from the airline so far is going forward, they will not. Uh, they will refund money for those that um, can't take a flight, and they will try to rebook, although they should have an obligation to rebook people on their flights. I think they will, and there should be no extra costs. But the fact is, yes, going forward, you got fewer options. It's going to be more expensive. Well, yeah. Uh, Brian Massey, is there anything the government should be doing about that? Well, I think we should be looking at the competition laws to see whether or not that there's a clause in there with regards to safety issues and um, a skew in the market like this over public safety and whether or not there'll be some price um, alterations or taking advantage of consumers related to that. If that becomes the case, I think there will be a not only a political uproar over that, um, it'll be a moral and ethical thing that people will challenge on um, with regards to the airline industry. So I'm, I'm hoping that um, uh, we won't see that type of uh, uh, predatative uh, you know, behavior uh, from airline industries to try to take advantage of a tragedy to um, ratchet up prices. I, I think that the onus on, you know, say, for example, like Air Canada right now is to uh, look at their business plan and look at um, who's vulnerable and who's booked on these planes um, that is away right now, and how do they rejig their current configurations to get people home safely um, and to return to their destinations? And from there, they can go forward with how they want to 
deal with their their fleet of aircraft um, to service their business needs in the in the short term and long term until the decisions are are made on this. So, um, you know, to me again, it's um, uh, it's going to be a lot of attention paid to this, and and I think there should be some good government oversight because it affects the nation's economy. Um, it affects the um, the people of our country to stay in touch with family, friends, loved ones uh, during times of celebration, but also times of sadness uh, for visiting uh, relatives who are ill or you know to attend things that aren't the the this, you know the best of things and circumstances. So all those factors come together that this is a privilege to operate in Canadian airspace and over Canadians' homes and businesses and um, to do a service. And we want them to be successful. We want them to be strong, but we want them to be safe first. Uh, and so there's where I think that the government really needs to show some leadership and not to be reactive but proactive because we can bring in the referee aspect to this, to the market, um, so you don't have uh, some airlines trying to take advantage of it. And, and just as the last uh, comment, it was interesting, um, an analysis. So Sunwing, for example, they also use a lot of foreign pilots. Um, so operators like Sunwing um, have some Canadian pilots, they have some foreign pilots, um, I know I've traveled on Sunwing uh, myself, um, but the reality is that we might have a divergent um, training uh, repertoire of um, people on these aircraft, and perhaps that's a larger conversation you know the, the world needs to have about these things as they're integrated in several markets. So again, you know we can almost Jerry you know kind of go this is not like tinkering with a car to see if it, how better it runs. This is about people's public safety and unpredictability. As, as Mr. Lawford pointed out, is that there's 5,000 of these planes that are going to be manufactured that are currently on order, um, and only 350 have been delivered. So there's a logistical issue here too, um, but most importantly, restoring public confidence for the long term, in my opinion, again, is the number one priority uh, for safety and for uh, predictability. Okay, and uh, just want to point out what the headlines in the major U.S. papers are saying, and they are saying Canada grounds Boeing 737 MAX 8, leaving U.S. as last major user of the plane. And uh, with that, uh, I would like to wrap things up. Uh, Mr. Lawfer, do you have anything you'd like to leave us with? Just that you know, this is this is a crisis that got big fast, and I appreciate that the transport folks um, want to be careful and and keep the system running and are thinking about all sorts of considerations. But top line in dealing with consumers, you can't just ignore us. You know, you got to come to consumers and 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 have some communication. I didn't see a lot of that on the front end of this, and this is what you get at the end: a lot of confusion and and backfilling. Well, a lot of us who have over the years been waiting in airports didn't see a lot of communication with consumers either. But uh, this is a major safety issue. Thank you both so much for your input. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 